Hi, I'm Orna Benilis. And I'm Ricardo Deacon. And this is The Recommendation Game, a weekly film podcast where we take turns to recommend a film, we watch, and then we meet to discuss it. So this week's film is Scarecrow, directed by Jerry Schatzberg, produced by Robert M. Sherman, written by Gary Michael White, music by Fred Murrow, cinematography by Vilno Sigmund, edited by Evan Lottman, starring Gene Hackman, Al Pacino, Eileen Brennan, and Dorothy Tristan. So the IMDb synopsis is... Max, an ex-con drifter with a penchant for brawling, is amused by Lion, a homeless ex-sailor, and they partner up as they head east together. Just two boys on the open road. That's all you need, and a few <laughs> cans of Pab's Blue Ribbon. I do like when a synopsis includes the word penchant. <laughs> That's vague, but doesn't really explain much about the film, but there we are. Um, so this film was chosen by Ricardo. Ricardo, why did you pick this film? Because it was my turn to pick. That's all the reason I need. <laughs> well, um, I think it's a, a very underseen movie. Yeah. Considering that it is Gene Hackman and Al Pacino at the height of their powers. Mm. Like most road movies, it is quite hit and miss as it goes along. Because by definition, by being a road movie, it is uh, quite uneven as a piece. Mm. But it's worth watching purely on the performances and i think al pacino's performance is one of the great underseen performances mm. uh, especially his uber uh if nice that's word. the word yeah. <laughs> uh, particularly his uber uh it's not something that he has done before or after that kind of character mm. and i think it's an interesting but flawed film on um I thought, well, Orla might like bits of this. And, uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, see, <clears throat> see where we went from there, basically. Yeah. Uh, What's okay. your take on it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I was definitely, I was expecting to like this film um, because it is part of a genre and part of an era of filmmaking that I am a massive fan of. It's a cinematographer that I love. It's two performers that I really like. And as you said, they are at the height of their powers. Um the idea of it kind of being sort of made up of vignettes and like what you're saying about being a road movie and it being uneven i don't think it's uneven because it's a road movie necessarily and that's not what my biggest problem with it was like as i was watching it i thought a lot about like sort of masculinity and the portrayal of the two different characters and how they're both kind of they're both kind of covering their true feelings in two different very distinct kind of um coping mechanisms or so al pacino by how to diffuse any situation he will use comedy um so then we have gene hackman's character and he's obviously using violence and aggression as a coping mechanism for any kind of situation where he's feeling uncomfortable or threatened or rather than dealing with basically anything he's just the fists come out and I don't think that like there are two things we've seen before and afterwards and I don't think that's in itself problematic but for me like as you said the performance that Al Pacino is giving is so impressive that when it compares to well it's his performance coupled with his character and how his character is written like for me I found Al Pacino's character so much more interesting than Gene Hackman's character to the point at which literally i wanted whenever they were as soon as like max left a scene i was glad that he left like whenever they're in uh whenever they go to visit uh max's um sister um what's her name coley 
Coley, yeah. Coley, yeah. And Max finally fucks off with your one and like, oh my God, I've never been more glad for a character to leave a scene because at that point he was annoying me so much. And like, I had problems with that scene for a number of reasons, but it's just a good example of kind of after a while, like... I feel like this film started with a lot of promise as well for the characters because it has such a strong opening scene. Like, not just from the scene when they both get picked up in the car and everything. And, like, that's obviously, it's a brilliant opening. But even, like, the scene whenever they're in the diner, I think that's just, like, it's excellently played. And then it just kind of, from his performance and his character, it just starts to go downhill. And it towards the end, he kind of regained it slightly. But it just kept taking me out of the film because all I could think about was how irritating I found his, how, how like irritating I found his character. I don't think it's Gene Hackman's fault. I don't think it's his performance. Like I think it's a good, like cause it's interesting like reading articles about this and how like you're right that it is criminally underseen. And like I, I think this is a film that people who like films of that genre and that time and people who like these actors should watch it. But the amount of times people are like, oh, this is like the performance of both these actors' lives. You know, you're never going to see them better than this. And I, Al Pacino, definitely, because I think this performance is just unbelievable. Like, it's... Even whenever you're, you've seen Al Pacino and, like, The Godfather or, you know, any of those performances that he is so acclaimed for, and you see him in this, it's like you've never seen him like this before. It's just the level of like what he's doing with his eyes and even like his his body his posture everything like everything has been given to that performance and I think it's just brilliant but Gene Hackman has just been given so little to work with it feels like you know like it, it feels like this is a problem with the writing and it just it annoyed me so much because I really I really wanted to get into this and it became more and more frustrating like the more scenes where you would have just you know excellently played by Al Pacino and then it, Max would be there like a beacon of irritation for me so your your <clears> take <throat> on it is basically my take on a girl walks home alone at night <laughs> do you like half the movie and then the other half yes basically and as you said when the other half is so brilliant it just like exacerbates the problem because it's like oh this could have been perfect um yeah uh, <laughs> yeah, I do think that is a couple of rewrites away from being a masterpiece. Yeah, I do not yeah, think yeah. it's a masterpiece. Yeah. No, I totally agree with that, actually. It's a good way of putting it. I think that it has a lot to say about masculinity in America in particular. Yeah. Uh, I think that some of the topics it hits, mm. like the the slow decline of the um, how America sold as a utopia almost yeah especially like in the 70s and stuff that you'd be oh if you're not in america you're in a shithole somewhere yeah and this movie shows that america (laughs) just graveyards of cars and yeah i do like that it is it's very it's not all urban like there's an awful lot of it's either not in kind of like there's not an awful lot of it where they're in cities yeah so much of it is out on either the open road or else in like the outskirts of places and like even whenever they're in Coley's neighborhood, like it feels feels like the outskirts. It doesn't feel like they're in. Where are they when they go to visit her? It's not um, yeah, Denver. Denver, yeah. It doesn't. I know, like the Denver's not a sprawling metropolis or anything, but you know, I like that it is. It's different um, than kind of other road movies where you're kind of bouncing around different cities, and and I enjoyed that. 
Yeah, no, it, it reminded me a bit on structure to uh, Sullivan's Travels. Yeah, I've uh, seen that. You, uh, I think we did in college. Uh, oh, we for did? Mick Muldoon's class. Oh my God! Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, old brother, where art thou? Oh my God, that's that's taking it back now. Uh, back to the dawn of our Jesus. friendship, Ricardo. Friendship? <laughs> well, we're co-workers here, uh, but but outside, I don't take that much offense with uh, the Max character as yeah. you do. Uh, partly because I I think it was intended for his character to be a lot less um, sympathetic. Then yeah. Al Pacino's character, I can see why you would be distracted by the, yeah. the well, difference you, you can, you of quality. Can, you can see what was intended. Yeah. You know, but I don't think it delivers. I don't think they were successful because you can have, like, it's not about him being unlikable or, you know, you can have unlikable characters that you can will completely watch because they're, you know, it's engaging for whatever reason. But this was just, I don't know, at certain points it just felt like a, parody of it and i think the uh, my my biggest thing is when i leave watching this movie yeah but well, the biggest thing is when i finish watching this movie is that the ending is so good and hackman's performance in that final scene is so good yeah that it leaves me with a good feeling about his character and it, it allows me to forgive prior um errors or yeah. uh, faults because it, 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 compared to lion he's a lot less drawn and yeah like i just even like that scene when they're in his sister's house and how like i thought initially that it was like oh this is kind of where we learn more about him or something and you don't there's no real there's like a few little anecdotes at the table when they're like drunk and eating kfc but there's no you know you're never brought into his life or into his character or into his motivations and the way that you are with lion yeah and it's not it's not even that it's like i mean it's not that it's hammered home more with lion it's just that he's a better drawn character and there's more for al pacino to work with so you're getting just so much more from like very small things he says or the way he looks or you know what I mean? Like you're just getting more from that in every way. Yeah, it's almost that the the character that somebody forgot to write the motivation why the car wash, why yeah. you you want yeah. to open the business, etc. But obviously, he can't be somebody else's employee because he just gets fired for starting fights. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, it never really shows exactly why he's chasing the American dream by following and trying to open a car wash yeah when he's you know kind of a criminal really in a lot of ways um there are other things as well like it's funny you saying about how it feels like it's it's a few rewrites away from being like a brilliant film i have problems as well with how this film deals with a lot of the more kind of um harrowing or or you know particularly dramatic sections so like this like particularly ending but also the conversation on the phone with um his wife yeah <clears throat> ex-wife yeah or... he ring he rings his ex-wife and like i just or missus i don't I think, think they got married i think he just oh, yeah, knocked I'm her not, up and like he liked it i'm not entirely sure they never really i don't think they ever actually clarify that but yeah like it, it's just it's the scene is held together by al pacino's performance completely but it just feels really over dramatic because she's so 
she's just so aggressive and so like she like it's just there it's not at the same it's just not at the right level it feels too overly like where it's you know where she says where she's like you know it's not just like oh our son died it's like he died you know I fell on the steps because I was alone and there was no one to help me and you know it's so dramatic and it's the same in the end as well and how like like the doctor in the hospital and everything in the hospital is like oh god so grim um I did think of like born the 4th of July uh, but with nicer doctors because the doctor in this is just like I wrote down in my notes I was like oh of course the doctor's an asshole it's like you know he's just trying to ask about his friend and the doctor's just like you know out of my way you know and like no doctor duck this time <laughs> no I know there's no one there to like you know teach him about the blight of uh um, african-americans in the in the u.s there's just no so he's just shut down while like great creepy like nurses come over to like take lion away from him um but yeah i just yeah the hospital looks more threatening than the mental hospital uh, sorry the hospital <laughs> looks more threatening than the mental institution and one flew over the yeah, cuckoo's nest okay. i was just I expecting nurse hatchet to come out, out somewhere and I just did, start screaming i did think about that film a lot actually during that scene but yeah i just it it's just not at the right level it just feels too heightened and and then whenever it's played against um al pacino or you know a lot and then scenes like that feels like al pacino's in a different movie because he's just everything is so subtle and like you know it means that that scene whenever he's on the phone to her is still devastating like after every hugs max and everything like it's just you know it's it's a boy oh god like that it's heartbreaking like but you could imagine what that could have been like if it had been just a different well that that actress is not i actually had to check but yeah. she reminds me a lot uh to the actress that plays jane hackman's girlfriend in the conversation yeah and yeah. the same crappy acting <laughs> oh, as well oh god what like jesus yeah because I... <clears throat> she looks and sounds like uh the actress from the conversation when she yeah. is in third uh, close encounters of the third kind uh, when she starts Shrieking. going mad uh, Richard Dreyfus for being a mental case <laughs> but um, you still wanted to sympathize with him <laughs> oh yeah because she's so terrible <laughs> yeah no I, yeah there's a few problems with not just the acting but the female characters in this in general which I find kind of weird because yeah. I agree completely but uh, Schatzberg was in much of his other work yeah because I thought a lot about like Panic and Needle Park and I can't remember the name of the character in that. What's her name? What's her face? That's that's the, yeah, the, the non-Pacino like, character. You know, but yeah, she is a character in that. Like, I mean, they're so like, oh god, the scene when they they're in um, Denver, and like, uh, what's her name? Frenchie, Cully's friend, and like, I sat there watching that whole sequence, just going. At some point, it's gonna turn out that she's like robbed them or double crossed them or something. There has to be something else going on in the scene because she's just like it's. I was like, I wrote it down. I was like, there's another film where women are inexplicably throwing themselves at Gene Hackman, oh, yeah. and it's like it's like I love Gene Hackman, but you know, it's 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 like it's just like the French Connection as well, and you're like, he's a dick and he's really not that like attractive women like bad boys haven't you heard about this i know this yes um the bourbon theory but it's weird because like her character seems to be out of the 40s or something it's It's so bizarre and she's like he's like oh you know it's like oh like oh my god max it had so much about you and she's there she's like he's like what did you miss about what did you miss about home and you were in the joint max he's like oh you know home cooked dinner she's like i'm gonna make dinner but i have no skills it's like 
<laughs> she's just there burning things and well, at the same time you have that moment <clears throat> just before that when uh he's trying to to pull her yeah and fucking <laughs> patino is just like moving doors or whatever oh like god, completely so clueless oh my god yeah so childlike oh it's just fantastic like yeah again he's the thing that's saving this um but yeah and that, like she just but then it goes to the the moment that the uh, lion and uh, oh, max are in the oh, car yeah. uh, he max is telling him the anecdote about how the night went yeah and i found it hilarious the sense like she has so much patience i kept falling out of the bed <laughs> kind of thing she just such pulled me back up okay. such a catch like he's literally there's like chicken all over his face and he's like you know of off the his, 10 layers of unwashed jumpers. You know, oh yes the layers the layers what do the layers of clothes mean but like like he has no layers as a character (laughs) oh that's another thing like there were just all these ridiculous things of like like oh with the clothes and the shoe behind the pillow and just stuff to like attach you know meaning but it's a weird thing about the denver part as well just coming back to it that um how it is both the best bit in the movie yeah. and the worst yeah. bit in the movie. Because, like, when Pacino goes to uh, the shop with Max, oh and my Max God, is so there, funny. oh, I'm gonna shoplift. So, you had to create <laughs> a distraction. Create a distraction. Just the, the, the sound effect of his footsteps hitting the ground and him just running around throwing socks and shirts around and distracting Max just killed me. Like, uh, Pacino's performance is hilarious as well. It's not just a, a dramatic performance uh he could have done very well in comedy it's almost uh, a jimmy stewart like performance yeah <laughs> i actually yeah that's quite funny it, it's just it's like the physical comedy of it like when he's just running around and around in circles i think that that entire that scene though is so well like put together it's just from like cutting back to like max's face and then like the shop assistant or whatever like oh my god it's just brilliant um yeah and then he goes oh we're gonna start a fight or something and then (laughs) yeah but but even that scene when they decide oh yeah we opened the 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 shop in in denver Denver instead of pittsburgh it's so happy and pacino sells him like he's in the b-suit for no fucking reason (laughs) it's like drinks for everybody he has no money either like who paid the time that like i think it's it's all one shot i think whenever they're outside the bar yeah and he's like standing in the fire mm-hmm. and then it just max starts a fucking fight of course but like you know it's just it's so bizarre it's like it's it's such a and it's like when you think about it, like it's such a it's a long scene like you know it's just like you know you're just waiting like this is gonna go south at any moment but you know in the meantime i'm kind of glad to just watch this weird spectacle of strangeness it's almost like a bacchanal like they're just there like everyone's drinking and yeah just thinking about it you know what this movie feels like yeah it feels like the movie was based on a book yeah that was written in max's first person yeah so if you had the first person narrative uh, you you would get more depth because you would understand what's yeah, happening yeah what's actually going and on in the head. translation they that cuts it off even though it's not based on the book but even how the scenes play out like you said the, the, how the scene is really long but it's also the sequences how they flow together yeah. also it feels like it's based on a book that never was yeah or that there's something that has been lost that would have connected everything yeah like it's yeah. novelistic almost yeah yeah because they do feel like chapters 
It's like strange little... Yeah, that's really interesting, actually. The other thing that killed me is um, fucking Hackman striptease. Oh, oh, yeah. That was at the point towards the end where I'd finally started to warm up to Max slightly. Like, just that thing where rather than picking violence, he, he you know, he becomes Lion and he starts... And it's like, yeah, like, that's just... Sort of, and, like, Lion's just standing staring at it. It's like, oh, it's such a beautiful little scene. Oh, yeah. Well, come on, old timer. Hey. Oh, it's fantastic. What's the song? I can't remember now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it's a brilliant scene. Um... And the, one of the questions I was going to have for yeah. you is, uh, do you think that the uh, the subtle hint of their homosexuality yeah. plays out on the character level? Or do you think that it's just a detail that is there in the movie? Did you think, is he, like, when my watching of it, I only felt that, like, that Lion was gay. That, like, to me, that's kind of more what they were you know like I think um, probably because I was just more invested in Lion's character now that I think about it but like what I really noticed was like there's so many moments where Lion touches him and like that first scene I think no I think it's after they get fired like that from that first like kitchen job or whatever it was and they're walking down the street and, and Hagman uh, is picking up the yeah. cigars off the ground <laughs> yeah and so disgusting uh, it's like oh this guy had a denture oh, oh god so gross um but yeah like they're walking down the street and uh lion's like or uh max is putting on his many layers and uh lion's just like helping him and like he just he just touches him so much like on i the think sh- that was a uh, completely improvised it's almost like a on the waterfront glove moment yeah it looks it looks kind of improvised but it it feels that it's there for you know what i mean that he did it for a reason but um i don't know like i think that it's definitely it's definitely there and it's one of the things that the film manages to do more subtly you know what I mean that like it's an undercurrent of like like the homoerotic kind of nature of it is definitely there within the film but that it, it no point is it ever hammered home I think that like it, the film actually handles it quite well because it's not ultimately what the film is about but it's definitely there as like a theme so like even in that scene whenever um I guess after the mannequin scene. Um, <laughs> it's another incredibly bizarre scene. Um, is it after that? Because it's after Max get, yeah, gets laid, isn't it? And like, yeah, the, Lion kind of... It does great to my constitution. Yeah. It resets my... <laughs> but Lion like uh, attempts to kind of like subtly ask him about like, oh, you know, well, what did you do in prison? You know, because obviously you couldn't get laid, you know, and, and like Max just kind of shuts him down. He doesn't kind of engage in it or whatever. But like um yeah i think it's dealt with like in an interesting an interesting way and i think like then when you kind of think about like the rape scene which is like jesus his performance oh, in that God. scene like that, his eyes fucking just never seen somebody portray like fucking fear oh so well God, but it's just so harrowing because you know it's going to happen before it starts to happen and it's just like it's it, that's that entire because even like the room that that's in it's really bright and like just and it's oh, all this crap and everything and they're just like and your man you can see him building up to it like oh god it's and then you see in Pacino's horrifying. face when the penny drops oh um, god and he starts like whoa and then like when he gets like pushed under the corner like oh my god like that that scene is fantastic in a lot of ways I think um, like his performance, the way it's staged, the way it's shot. I like, think Shawshank Redemption took a lot of inspiration from that scene. Yeah. Like when the sisters go to try to rape Tim Robbins. Yeah. Out in the in the 
well, one of the many times in that movie mm-hmm. that it happens. But the sense of even him getting beat up and stuff. Like, yeah. Uh, um, what do you think of um, the portrayal of the American dream, uh, the pursuit of the American dream, especially uh, in the context of current events? Ah, interesting. The fact that their dream is to open a car wash is like almost depressing that like this is this is the the top of what they hope to achieve and i think that like really that's kind of interesting because for you know these are working class people and to them this is as far as they ever think they're going to be able to get to like this is for them having your own little business and being it being successful is like you know this is in Pittsburgh of all places. Yeah, and I know it's not even like, oh, you know, we're going to go to the Big Apple and like, you know, have our little business or, you know, like it, it's, the, this is what the, the, the full extent of what they hope to achieve. Yeah, I agree with you in the sense that it's depressing that that's their their view of the American dream. But also the, the realization that the film is incredibly depressing in the sense that it shows that having a dream or even the resources for that dream won't allow you to escape the the issues you have because of socioeconomic uh, degrees. You yeah, can tell well, the... like, they're in a lot of ways like you could look at both of these characters and say that they both have certain like emotional and you know mental illness problems. You know, like in how they're both like obviously in the end, Lion ends up catatonic, and obviously Max has a serious anger problem and these are two issues that you know the whole idea of like the American dream and the American you know especially in relation to masculinity is that like you work hard you you know you provide for your family you do not talk about your feelings you shut it down and then you you know that is it you you know service to your country everything like you're a man you do not talk about anything and how like for these characters there is no you can't you can't look into their future and see that they're ever going to be able to come to terms with what happened to them like that's why i think like their friendship is touching as much as i didn't engage as much with max but their friendship is touching because in the end all they have is each other because the world or the you know well the 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 country that you know there's there's nothing for them to there's no support system there's no you know they're only ever going to have that friendship uh, but yeah i just think it's 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 sad but more sad in the context of now and how like between like the 70s and now how much has realistically changed like you could say that up until the recession things were getting better for people like working class people middle class people in america and then but obviously after the recession and everything that has transpired since we can't look into the future and see that things are going to be better for people who are trapped in cycles of poverty, people who are undereducated, people that are suffering from things that they can't get help for. And like, even if you just take that in the context of masculine men, of like American men, like it's really still, it's poignant really, because you think that you watch films from like that era and before, and especially like road movies and, and everything. And like, it is sad to see that look at them and go, yeah, this this feels relevant. I could, st- you know what I mean. I could imagine an updated version of this. Well, like uh, one almost could be said to be not in any way inspired, but I felt it has the same feeling for the country. 
Yeah. Is Hell or High Water. The, the, oh, that's a really good comparison, actually. The one of the characters even says, uh, "Poverty is a disease yeah. that runs through the family, almost yeah. like cancer or something, that you have to break from it. Yeah, because otherwise, it's generation after generation yeah. after generation you won't you'd be escape the same. Because, like you know, the opportunities are not there if you don't have the education, yeah. the knowledge, not, the no- nothing. Nothing is helping you. Like nothing is. I mean, like, just looking at what the current plans for America are now, and it's like, let's just go backwards, shall we? It's like, no, let's not go backwards, because no matter what you say, things were not better for working class people. And what they say about the American dream, that anyone can make it, but the problem is that it's like winning the lottery. You're the one in the million that made it, and you can't have a society that is based on the one in the million that makes it. Yeah, no, It'll facilitate these lucky people, but at the end of the day, if you're just a normal person, you're not going anywhere, and probably your children aren't going to go anywhere. And that, yeah, like I think the film illustrates that ideal really well, and in that way, it's kind of like depressing. It's kind of strange as well that a movie that covers from California to Michigan doesn't show one single black dude in it. As in uh, a named black dude well, character. Well, yeah, yeah. There's, definitely, there's obviously like extras and stuff. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. It didn't really occur to me at the time. Like I, like when I'm on like a first watch, but I think you're right. It's kind of... It is a very odd thing, especially when you get to fucking Detroit. Yeah. The, the, the majority of the population is African-American. Yeah. And... But, uh, yeah, but mm, at the same time, though, like, they're not really having that many encounters with other yeah but there's not even one bartender or yeah that's uh, true yeah that is kind of weird but not like there's native americans in the movie (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's a good point actually (laughs) yeah i don't really know what that's about even if you compare that to like panic and needle park like it's kind of bizarre yeah, because Panic in the Middle Park, there's not not an awful lot of black dudes in that either. And yeah. It's in the middle of, like, yeah. shithole New York. Uh, yeah, in the 70s. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like, uh, I was thinking but about the pl- it. the plight of white people. That's what we. That's how we get the audiences in. And uh, the other thing I was going to ask you is, like, how much do you rate it in the Grand Canyon of... Uh, Grand Canyon, the the canon of uh, American cinema that deals with traveling tramps, let's say, mm, in the movies. vein of well, not only road movies, mm. like train movies, almost like yeah. uh, Into the Wild, uh, yeah, uh, Old Brother Where Art Thou, stuff like that, tramp movies. Yeah, I would, I'd put this quite. I said Trump, not Trump movies. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> Trump, I, I, um, I would put this quite high. Like, I don't think this, like, I think Midnight Cowboy is one of, in my opinion, one of the best of those types of films. And I think Midnight Cowboy is a better film, but I think that this has a better central, well, central-ish performance. Like, I think that... Al Pacino's performance is better than Dustin Hoffman's performance. And I think he's a better character. He's a more interesting character as well. But Midnight Cowboy works. Like, they're similar in a lot of ways, I think, even with, like, the ending as well. I but think like... Dustin Hoffman was meant to play Lion. Uh, I read it somewhere really? that a reviewer, I, I might be confusing, but a reviewer at the time yeah. mentioned saying that Dustin Hoffman would have made that character unwatchable. Oh, God. And I think that 
maybe I'm confusing, but why would the reviewers just randomly say that? Yeah, he was a mental. Well, maybe, it, maybe, it's, yeah, I don't know. Well, maybe when, it's no, compared well, like two did, characters that play kind of similar. When did Midnight Cowboy come out though? Uh, Seventy something. I'm not gonna it was lie. After this, time. this though, wasn't it? Not gonna do the usual Ricardo thing of just saying a year and presuming that I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> nobody ever, nobody ever checks it. Strangely topical pick. Like I, I, mm-hmm. I didn't pick this movie uh, mainly because we didn't record last week. We're actually record. We usually record a week in advance. Yeah. So it, it's be, it's post inauguration. We're actually more hot yeah. as it is, uh, yeah. and uh, I I picked it what three weeks ago. I I didn't realize yeah. how topical you may it have been. You, you may have mentioned that you were going to pick this even longer ago than that. So yeah, like I was going to pick it straight after the conversation, but then I realized yeah, it's another movie from the seventies with Jim Hackman. Yeah, so it's good just to have to, a break um, between yeah. uh yeah, but um this is not a Jim Hackman is, podcast. It is, this um, is a, like prescient is the wrong word necessarily, but. Yeah, just relevant. Relevant is the right word. Yeah, but uh, no, I think like I this is a really great pick. Like there, I mean, I think because there is an awful lot to talk about. Uh, as well, it it's just one of those films. It's like it's so close to being a great, like you know, I only throwing around the word masterpiece, but like it it is very close to being a a brilliant film, and you can see you know how like you can see how much care there was in making the movie so it's hard to criticize it that much because you can tell the it's as well a director swinging for the fences it's not yeah yeah it's a this is a risky film like really when you think about it like it's even within like that that era of like you know and new hollywood and everything like it's still like i don't know i think this like it was a commercial flop and a, I think it was a, was it a critical flop as well I don't know and not really like it, yeah. it did rather well with critics but mm, it wasn't it just, uh, it made blew no the money, mind yeah. kind of thing Schatzberg never made anything big after this he made a very good movie with Christopher Reeves in the mm. 80s uh, I've the never, Reeves it's very good I can't remember the name of it now mm. but besides that everything else is kind of really low budget almost just outside of a roger corman movie kind of thing <laughs> yeah like in levels of budget and uh, production design uh, but panic and needle park and scarecrow are two of the better non-top movies of new hollywood let's yeah say. it's funny how this is so kind of he was just kind of placed on like a lower rung of of everything else that came out that year and it's unfair i suppose because like if this had been any other decade maybe these films would have been bigger than they were but because there were so many other like high profile films that came out that he ended up just kind of and i i wonder like he doesn't get the credit either for discovering al pacino like no. without panic in needle park we yeah. wouldn't have pacino like and... it's it's interesting that like he's a director that you never hear of like he's not he's not put up there with those other directors and it is kind of um it's kind of sad because there's some really fantastic work going on in this film and in panic in needle park the same way that uh, Shadsbury doesn't get the credit for uh, discovering Pacino. Mm. Fucking Roland Joff doesn't get the credit for destroying Pacino <laughs> by making him do revolution and give him like triple pneumonia. And then he comes back four years later <laughs> as shouty Pacino. Oh God, this is what happened to him. It's weird. What I, I watched um, Scarecrow and the following day I watched Heat. Yeah. And it's not the same person no it's not even uh a chameleon like yeah. a- actor kind of thing it's 
just a different dude. I think Pacino died in 86 and they cloned <laughs> him badly. Yeah, and... yeah, it's funny. Like, I haven't seen Heat in a long time. And uh, I don't remember it as well as, you know, like, t- to be able to compare those performances. And even, like, Robert De Niro and, like, young Robert De Niro as well. You know what I mean? Like how Yeah, I... but De Niro kind of uh, kept... Uh, it's De Niro's problem is the projects that he picks. It's not That's that his true. performance... Yeah, to be fair, you could go look back even in the last, like, five or ten years and go, there are some things there even in things like um uh playbook happiness playbook silver linings playbook silver linings playbook, like yeah. he's great and yeah it. like you do that that's actually a good point whereas like you could look back over the last 20 years and go what has albacino done because hmm. it is interesting it's a lot like how whenever we were talking about tom cruise and how just the comparison between early and later it's the thing that careers. it's the the weird thing about the i've been noticing partly due to the podcast mm. uh, in discussing uh, the evolution of actors it's, uh, yeah they, they almost become by the time that they reach 40 or 50 mm. they become the person yeah uh, like a persona yeah instead almost of an like actor what, almost what they've been like her- heralded to be able to play it's like they become that and it's not even that they're being typecasted that no, it's, it's like just they're, 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 they're playing every role it's just like especially considering like the by that stage as well if you're a big actor like Cruz, you're producing your own ro- projects yeah, you're, you're picking your own yeah, projects you're, you're not being like you know badly ed- you know you're not being edited out of like you know, a great performance or something. You're, when, it's entirely your hand on, t- you know, And when you compare everything. that to somebody like John Hurt who passed away today, oh, yeah. you can't really uh, see two roles that are exactly the same, even yeah. though he has the most distinctive voice and yeah, face. And, yeah, like, and he, well, he's just a real character actor. Like, and he just, he's the kind of actor as well that, that a lot of the time you can only really find in like thespians and like British trained you know, like I'm not saying that you can only find that in British acting, but you find it more, and that they are the kind of car- like actors that just add weight by their sheer presence within a film. Unless you are Kenneth Branagh. Oh, don't talk to me about him. I'll never forgive him for doing that to Emma Thompson, um, <laughs> and having a, a surname that I can't pronounce. Um, Bran- Branagh. Bran- Branagh. Branagh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyways. Uh, uh, final thoughts. Mm. Uh, I think. Yes. Uh, what's your favorite thing about the movie? Al Pacino's performance, hundred uh, percent. Mine would be Pacino's performance and the cinematography. Yeah, that's like it's, it's so just, good it, and subtle at the same time. Yeah. It kind of it doesn't. Yeah. It's not showy whatsoever. But yeah. when you stop to notice it, yeah, you realize, holy crap! Uh, what's but, your least favorite thing? Uh, well, Max, like just. Well, at the same time, like Max kind of redeems himself. I think possibly that scene in Denver, because there are parts of it that are so brilliant and the other parts of it that are so disappointing and so misjudged. And yeah, so I think I'm going to settle on that because it just, yeah, it didn't set well with me. Uh, for me, it would be the small choices that are made in the editing room or in direction as yeah. the Frenchies performance and her character in general or even how uh part of the prison scenes Mm. should have been uh, not shown but implied 
as I think it would have been more interesting for the Max character if you didn't know if he bet up your mana's revenge yeah, or not instead of showing it, it this goes, weird wrestling it match. It goes too far. Like, like the whole lead up to him going over and the conversation and everything. Like you, It feels like they're going to cut away and then they don't and you're like, cut away. Or in the ending, I think the Pacino's character going mental is not my problem with it because mm. it, it has its seeds throughout the movie and it's a natural ending to it. Yeah. But I feel that it should have been something a little less dramatic than going catatonic. As in, if if he uh, had PTSD memory loss kind of thing, or selective Mm. memory loss, like he can't remember Max or anything. Yeah, like it it, it, it ends up taking away from what is a great ending. Yeah, especially when fucking Gene Hackman is buying the, <laughs> yeah. the ticket at the end. With the boot. <laughs> yeah. It's no. so sad yeah. and hilarious at the same time that it's kind of a, the microcosm of the movie in itself. Yeah, in that one little, like, it's like one shot. I think it's not even, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, that was Scarecrow, which uh, I, I enjoyed. I'm glad I saw it. Definitely glad I saw it. In a way, it felt like... A completion of sorts of kind of like you know it's it is a film that once you've seen it you're like i should have seen this years ago <laughs> you know what i mean but it's just so it's so underseen that i would recommend to anyone that does like these actors and like this era to definitely see it because it is it's worth a watch for well, even its uh, as somebody that is just interested in filmmaking yeah or filmmakers out there like because it it really makes you judge the screenplay and stuff. It makes you think about how you would improve the story, where flaw. Because it's it's not that easy to realize why something works when it yeah. works, but you can realize when something doesn't work when everything else works. Mm. And and this is a a good movie for that because, you know, it's true that like you know you should watch the bad movies as much as the good movies. But this is even more interesting because you see them side by side. Yeah. You know, and like and how subtle changes can make a massive difference but um so yes that was scarecrow so orla uh what is next week's film uh next week's film is 2013's ida so we're uh nice and <laughs> keeping with the happy happy topics yeah one day we'll uh, pick a comedy one day <laughs> i don't know there's plenty of comedy in scarecrow um <laughs> but uh where can they find us uh, they can find us on Facebook, The Recommendation Game. They can tweet us at The Rec Game and uh, send us emails to the recommendation game at gmail.com. Woo! I was Ricardo Deacon. I was Orla Martinez. Until next time. Thanks for listening. <laughs>